Jill Miller. And I'm Mary Kastner. Have those charismaniacs left you damaged and scarred? On behalf of Holy Spirit, we hope to offer some damage control. He wants a relationship with you. And we're here to support you along the way, whether it's in ministry or in your day-to-day life. Well, hello, Mary. What's up, Jill? <laughs> How's it going? Life is good. We're, we're starting up. People can receive communion now. Um, yes. Businesses are back up. Kind of. Um, so it's it's still kind of intense. But yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's your glory story for the week? It's time for glory stories, y'all. <laughs> so I want to, I didn't think I would ever say this. I want to give the Lord the glory for TikTok. <laughs> no. I have been converted. Boo. I actually love it now. And Instagram feels boring, which I didn't expect. But um, it's been it's been great, actually, for ministry. And I, I just didn't realize the reach that you can have. Because I thought it was like a funny, like, I'm going to sing songs and do dances on the internet kind of an app. <laughs> and it's really actually like what you make it. You kind of find like your niche and your genre of either like business or ministry. And what I didn't realize was like you can have like two followers and if your video, uh, it'll throw your video into different people's feeds and you could get like 10,000 people that see your video even though you only have two followers. And that's pretty like sweet. 10,000 people don't want to look at my life. <laughs> No, I think they would. I think they would, Joe. They're going to be like, boring. Yeah. What I've done Maybe is- Maybe not I've... in quarantine. <laughs> the quarantine life's not as exciting. But no, I've I've used it to like, because sometimes like, I don't, I'm sure people have had the experience of just getting sucked into social media and scrolling through. And I've actually used it to like interject a video where it's like 30 seconds of a praise and worship song. And it says like prayer break. And it's, it's like a relief for people. And those, those videos have actually gotten a ton of hits. So, I mean, dang. Oh, look at you praying with people. New evangelization. You little TikTok. little missionary disciple. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's my glory story. I'm loving it. And it's really neat to see the reach. So, I'm having a blast on TikTok now, guys. So. Oh, man. Go follower. Mary Kastner. How about off. you, Jill? Glory story. Um, my glory story is that in the midst of us kind of getting back to some kind of semblance of normality, uh, we've still been able to kind of keep some of those really cool things that we developed in quarantine so far. I mean, we're only two weeks into it, but, um, so for instance, yesterday we were having like getting ready to have dinner or whatnot. And my priest friend, um, father Billy in San Diego messaged me. I know he's so cool. Um, he messaged me because San Diego's like closer to us time wise, I guess. Um, so <laughs> he messaged me to other parts of <laughs> comparatively, America. and he sent us a message and he was like, "Hey, are you guys like keen to do a movie?" And so, like we've been doing throughout quarantine, like, we'll hop on a Google Hangout and then Aww. stream videos like at the same time movies. That's so cool. And so we had a little movie night with Father Billy yesterday. It was really cool. That's really sweet. Um, yeah. So we watched Peanut Butter Falcon, which if you haven't seen oh it, my gosh. watch it. It is, man, that movie makes me feel things. It's so yeah. heartwarming and hilarious. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's wholesome and, man, just the dignity of the human person. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I'm a- not going to cry. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying, Jill. Um. I'm just tearing up, but I'm not crying. That's so good. So, I mean, highly recommended. Please go watch it. It'll change your life. It'll make you feel lots of warm and fuzzies inside. (laughs) And yeah, it's really cool to see kind of, you know, somebody with Downs being like the lead kind of role. Oh, yeah. Which is really, really beautiful. And the whole movie was kind of like dreamed up by Zach, who plays the main character. Um, so that's really, really cool. And if you're kind of nerdy and read into the relationship between Zach, the the actor with Down syndrome and Shia LaBeouf, like it's really, really beautiful. And like Shia LaBeouf is like that guy saved me filming mm. the movie and my relationship with him has completely changed my life, you know, for the better. So, that's wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um yeah, it's really really good. So Billy teared up a little a little oh, bit Billy. at a couple different times. It made a priest cry. You need to see this movie, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, I mean it's not really hard. Father Billy cries about a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. We love you, Father Billy. <laughs> we love you. Um. So, anyways, yeah, that's my glory story. It's gotta be the glory for a movie nice with priests. Cool. Cool. Um. Anyways, uh, so what's our topic today, Mary? What are we talking about? So, what's on the agenda? So we last time we talked about, I think, like horror stories and glory stories of like charismatic experiences, both good and terrifying. And we wanted to actually address kind of this this term that you hear in charismatic circles a lot called the anointing. And we we've heard it kind of brought to us, I know at least for myself, and I think I could say for Jill too, we both had an experience with kind of this spirituality and this understanding of the Holy Spirit called the anointing. And it actually communicated the Holy Spirit in a way that was, it made intellectual logical sense. (laughs) And we also Mm -hmm. had concrete experiences of the Holy Spirit. And it, it kind of put terminology clearer terminology to the experiences. So it it helped us, it definitely helped me be way more open to the charismatic and to be able to articulate it versus it kind of being this weird, ambiguous thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, we just kind of wanted to talk about and, and define some of these terms and maybe even introduce you to it because it'll, it really just helps so much with terminology and understanding the experience that you have with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Do, is there anything else you wanted to say, Jill, too, about the topic or? Um, nah, it's, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> happy with that. You killed it. Good Sweet. job, Mary. Good game. I've just noticed in a lot of charismatic circles, they don't necessarily have as much of the concrete terminology and explanation. It's, it's so mm-hmm. ambiguous. And that actually turns a lot of people off to a charismatic spirituality. Yeah. Remember, we're trying to create like a structure, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like yeah. just because someone's charismatic doesn't mean that their experience of mysticism and their prayer life and the spiritual has to be chaos. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And that charismatic spirituality can also and should be intellectual. Yeah. Like yeah. I think there's kind of that perception sometimes like, oh, you're charismatic. I can't really talk about theology with you because you're just like a hippie. Totally. Totally. Like hippie. Yeah. That's what I'm going to yeah. say. And there's, and there's just that tendency, I think, in the whole church, whether you're talking the Catholic world or the Protestant world, there's a tendency with different spiritualities to go to one extreme or the other, where there's like total chaos, or even with the theology and the intellectual, where uh, Bill Johnson has a great quote where he says, um, if I remember correctly, he says something like, a lot of us become so satisfied with our good theology that we stop just short of a divine encounter. Mm, So when you combine both worlds (laughs) of the actual relationship and experience of the Lord and the encounter with the, the good theology and the, the understanding and the terminology and the the structure, it's beautiful. You always like seek to go into like a deeper encounter. I'm not saying that you can't go to mass and have, you know, a divine encounter with, with the Lord. Right, right. But the Lord also desires for us to continue entering into deeper encounters. Exactly. And so it's not like we can just settle for one. And that's kind of, I guess, the double-edged sort of Catholicism sometimes is that there's so many things, like we've said before, that we're kind of just are like, oh. Yeah. Which one? The, all the things. All the things. There's so you much. Men. Go to go to mass and have a really awesome encounter with the Lord. Go into prayer, have a really awesome encounter with the Lord. Go into worship and have a really awesome encounter with the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. all of the things. Yeah. So let's. How about we define some of these terms and make make more sense of it? So you'll hear in charismatic circles the term the anointing, or you'll hear it. I I hear it more commonly in Protestant circles. I think. When it's brought up in Catholic circles, it's usually more connected to the sacraments, right? And mm. the anointing yeah. as a like an oil, you know, you'd anoint someone with oil, and that's an, uh, 
symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? So the simplest definition I've heard that I think makes the most sense (laughs) and just keeps it real simple was it's actually in Father Carl Schmidt's book, Freedom Through Deliverance. And he says, the anointing, simply put, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a person. Okay, so it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a person. So another another way to just kind of give an analogy to it is uh, this helped me a ton because I, I didn't understand it for a long time. Oil is to oiling and water is to watering as the Holy Spirit is to the anointing. So the anointing is almost like the Holy Spirit in action because it's not like the Holy Spirit isn't with you, right? Like he's, he's present everywhere, but the anointing is a unique outpouring and movement and action of the Holy Spirit versus his omnipresence and being everywhere. I think it's fair to say that even though the Holy Spirit, he is everywhere, you know, the scripture of like, where can I go from your presence or from your spirit? There's still unique moments where you see him doing something distinct, (laughs) where he's moving in certain ways in some places and not in other ways. Just think of it as the outpouring. The anointing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a person or the Holy Spirit in action. I was looking for areas in church fathers or the catechism that referred to um, the Holy Spirit as the anointing or that connection there. And one of the first things that I, when I Google searched that, that popped up was paragraph 698 of the catechism, which I'll also talk about a little bit later. But it says the seal is a symbol. It's talking about the sacraments and the symbols of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So it says the seal is a symbol close to that of anointing. Quote, the father has set his seal, unquote, on Christ and also seals us in him. Because the seal indicates the indelible effect of the anointing with the Holy Spirit in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Then it goes on to say a couple other things. But the interesting thing that I found in the wording was that it says uh, the anointing with the Holy Spirit. Right. So we have in our sacraments, we have an anointing with oil. Right. Mm -hmm. But that symbolizes an anointing with the Holy Spirit. So it's not as the oil symbolizing the Holy Spirit, uh, because we're being anointed with the Holy Spirit. It's not like just like, oh, yeah, that's this nice little thing that we do, you know, to symbolize the Holy Spirit coming in us. But no, like we are actually sealed and anointed with the third person of the Trinity. Right. Um, so I found that interesting. We hear it a lot in in regards to sacraments, like you were saying with confirmation or baptism Um, and that seal with confirmation. But we've also heard, especially in Protestant circles, where somebody will say like, oh, that person is so anointed. Or Mm. that song, man, that's an anointed song. Or that sermon was so anointed. And and, I mean, with the definition that we're, we're building off of, right, of the anointing being an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, applying that to those circumstances. So when somebody's saying that person is so anointed, they're saying, man, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that person. There's a unique outpouring on that person. Or there's a unique outpouring of the Holy Spirit with this song in this sermon. We've experienced those things where it's not just somebody being really talented, (laughs) you know? There are a lot of really great musicians right that you notice a difference when they can lead worship yes there's a preacher christine kane she's fantastic but she made a distinction in a talk she was giving about anointing and she said basically like the distinction between talent and anointing and how like a talented musician can give you goosebumps or really impress you or even move your heart and you can be like wow listen to that note they hit but when there's an anointing on someone's music it's not about the skill it has to do with a movement of the holy spirit and how it actually can bring about change and conversion the holy spirit has this ability to move in a way that we can't on a natural level just by talent alone 
whether it's mm. in our speaking or music. You don't want to just be talented or skillful. You want the movement of the Holy Spirit in, in yeah. what you're doing, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're speaking to thousands of people, right? Yeah. So there's there's this section in Father Carl Schmidt's book that we mentioned earlier, Freedom Through Deliverance. He makes three distinctions of having the anointing in you, the anointing on you, and the anointing with you. So the three kinds of anointing, the first one that probably we're most familiar with is the anointing in. And a really great example of that is in baptism, right? We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? We are baptized and then the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And that incorporates us into the body of Christ. We become sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters of God. And we are loved like Christ by God, right? And yeah, that's kind of, I guess, an example of anointing in us, the Holy Spirit within us, that we receive that indwelling. Going back to that section of the Catechism, 698, that paragraph, that would also include that indelible character that the Catechism refers to, right? Right. Um, and it refers to in that paragraph. It says that that seal that we receive has been used in some theological traditions to express the indelible character imprinted by these unrepeatable sacraments. So the sacraments that we receive, baptism, confirmation, holy orders, um, the Holy Spirit comes within us and changes us, changes who we are, that, you know, even if we decide to walk away from the faith, that we are still adopted sons and daughters. It's not something that can be just changed. Once you're a priest, you're a priest forever. Yeah. I think that's part of why, and I still struggle with that, that line in scripture with Jesus where he says, it's better for you that I go. Cause I'm like, no, <laughs> like no Jesus. Um, but what? part of that is because he's like, no, I want to make my home inside of you. And for, for me to live in you now in the person of the Holy spirit, that's wild. Yeah. When we look at that and realize how, how powerful that is than the Holy Spirit indwelling like within us. Yeah. Like abiding within us. That that is more powerful and of greater value, let's say, right? Like for lack of better words, than like sitting in the same room with person yeah. of Jesus sitting there. Like that he was like, No, 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 this is this is better. Yeah. Um, like I'm gonna that, live inside of you now. <laughs> yeah. But Sometimes we're like, oh man, like faith would be way easier and like it would be way easier to just walk around with Jesus and to talk to him face to face and it's so overlooked the power of the Holy Spirit within us, living in us. Yeah, there's kind of a lack of understanding and teaching of how powerful that is and hmm. very few people who tap into becoming aware of the Holy Spirit living inside of them and actually utilizing that and, and engaging yeah. in that. So like there's all these people who like, Cantola Mesa talks about it in sober intoxication of the spirit, where he talks about how he didn't realize like most of us are baptized as infants. And so we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but we don't participate and engage with him. And so we don't realize the power and the person that actually is there and available for us. And so mm -hmm. we don't think of it as a big deal. It's kind of this nice phrase that we hear like, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. God lives in your heart. It becomes numb to us. Like when we hear mm -hmm. like phrases like Jesus died for you on the cross. Well, you hear that so often that you become numb to it. You don't yep. realize the gravity that was of the words that were just said. One of the like foundational things when I'm talking about, you know, and teaching about gifts or like healing or even the Holy Spirit is talking about how that changes the narrative, right? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit changes the narrative for us. The tables are turned because baptism and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit incorporates us into the body of Christ, right? We become sons and daughters. And in that, we become children with an authority, the authority of our Father. Right. And that changes everything. 
then we have the authority to to claim healings for people to speak out you know different things and to move in a much more authoritative way and so a lot of times it's getting people to realize that and to live like they are not being defeated yeah you have an authority you have the authority of your heavenly father so start living like it start mm-hmm. walking around like you've already won this you know yeah you're walking around like you're defeated when you've already actually you have everything you need to win and you're on the winning team yeah <laughs> you know, like, um, definitely it makes it makes life a lot more hopeful when you recognize that in anything you face, you have the third person of the Trinity living inside of you. Like, just take a moment. Just take a moment right now and recognize that in light of whatever your main struggle is in life right now. You have the third person of the Trinity dwelling in you right now. Yeah, it changes our, like, our attitude and even, you know, when we're in desolation and defeated, you know, feeling defeated from maybe like sin that we continuously struggle with when we start just recognizing the authority that we have within us because the Holy Spirit is in us. That that is a game changer for sure. Mhm. I guess at a retreat that I went to one time, I don't remember who was giving the talk, but they used the example of if you were went to your parents' house and somebody like just walked in the door that you didn't know Mm. you wouldn't be like hey mom dad somebody's here like you would have the authority to be like who are you why are you in here what are you doing it's so natural to use that authority because you that's your house too and training ourselves in the spiritual life to have kind of the same you know reaction when those thoughts that are you know not of the lord like come in or those temptations Mm -hmm. or those habits start forming to start being like, no, you don't belong here. Yeah. And start giving yourself the upper hand. Yeah. Here's a cool story, um, short story, in regards to the Holy Spirit living in you, right? Okay, so this gives you a concrete, guys, that this is just something I experienced. So I was I was super, super sick, like horrible cold. Before coronavirus, it was not Corona. coronavirus. It was not coronavirus. <laughs> You had not, corona. It was not it was 2 years ago, okay? So, I was super sick and I was in my room and like like I'm sorry for this image, but you know when you got a bad cold and you're just like constantly nose running, throat's a mess. I like to call that a hot mess. Yes, I was a hot mess. And so but I decided to I was like, okay, I'm going to read scripture today and I like to read my scripture out loud. And I happened to be reading Romans 6. And I got to verse 10. Everything was like consistent. I was a hot mess. And then I read out loud verse 10, which is the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. And as soon as I kid you not, as soon as I finished that sentence, my cold broke immediately. Like I actually stopped my reading and I was like, holy crap. Like I started breathing through my nose. You know that, you know, when you're sick and you feel like you're just never going to get better again, you're just going to feel that way forever. And then all of a sudden you have that experience of like your nose opening and you can breathe. Like you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. <laughs> like this is what it is to yeah, be Yeah, people with again. coronavirus say that a lot. Oh, it was not corona. <laughs> Jill. But yeah, but I actually had this moment where, and I think the Lord used it to teach me, I was, it was a miraculous healing. It happened instantaneously. If you had seen the hot mess that I was just before I read that specific verse, I was, I was freaking out in my room like, holy crap, Lord, like you just healed just, me. I just picture you in the Cinderella cartoon, you know, when the little like swirly goes around her and she goes from like this peasant to this princess <laughs> that's that's very much how it felt i was in awe interiorly guys she still probably looked the same I, oh my gosh but yes i but yeah but it's an example it's a real concrete example 
where the Lord actually reminded me through me reading it out loud, the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. So that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you right now by virtue of your baptism. And he can heal you from the coronavirus <laughs> or from colds like oh, I experienced. Man. So, But go to the doctor. Still go to the doctor. Yes. <laughs> so He may desire to heal you through doctors. Also true. Also true. Cool. So we've done anointing in. Mm-hmm. Now, what's next? Okay, so the next is anointing on, just kind of using Father Carl Schmidt's book as a reference. He talks about anointing on as, he says it empowers, anointing on someone empowers the individual for a specific task, right? So, for example, so people can have the anointing, so the movement, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them for a specific gifting or task or ministry that they've been given. For example, John the Baptist was anointed to preach a baptism of repentance. He had the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on him for preaching the baptism of repentance. And that's one example. It's sort of like the gifts of the Spirit. They're not given for you or to make yourself feel better. You're given these gifts so that you can bless the church. You can build up other people. So he pours himself out for the sake of others. He pours himself out upon you for the sake of others. We can also talk about the anointing on us when we're operating in a certain gift, right? Right. Um, so if I somebody comes up to me during prayer ministry and asks for healing, let's say, of their back, right? And I pray over them and they receive a healing, I had an anointing on me for healing that person. There was a specific task that I had an anointing on me for in that moment. Right, right, exactly. So that's, that's a good I would good even distinction. say like other things, a word of knowledge, sharing mm-hmm. a word of knowledge um, to an assembly or, um, yeah. Yeah. Father Carl tells a hilarious story in that section too of his book. So it was early on and earlier in his priesthood and it was before he kind of started moving in more gifts and he, he was actually kind of closed off <laughs> to the charismatic at the time. So he was in Canada and preaching a parish mission on an island, actually. And there was a fisherman there who they had a ba- he had a baby and he saw that on his ear there was this massive wound. And the fisherman asked Father Carl, Father, bless his ear. And his response was, if you take him to the hospital. <laughs> and then once again, he said, but Father, will you bless his ear? And he said again, if you take him to the hospital. And then a third time, Father, bless his ear. And a third time, he said again, if you take him to the hospital. And he said that, he goes, as I bless the baby's ear, suddenly a bolt of healing power flowed through my shoulder, down my arms, and through my hand and healed the baby. And he said it wasn't my faith, but the faith of the fisherman that empowered the miracle to take place. And he said that he found out later that the fisherman actually didn't have the $10 to go by boat to a hospital. So he wouldn't have been able to take the baby. And this is what he said. He goes, this, I do know that the Holy Spirit's anointing fell on me for the baby's ear to be healed. So it was a unique outpouring specifically like upon father where it went Mm -hmm. upon him and then onto the baby. And then there was the healing. Can you have an anointing on you? Like, for instance, I use the example, I can receive an anointing on me while I'm praying over somebody for healing, right? Um, but I also have the gift of healing. Right. So can you receive an anointing on you for a purpose, somebody to heal, to heal someone, if you don't have the gift of healing? I've heard that you actually can. Like, I've heard I of think you can. instances where somebody... There is just a unique need and a unique movement of the spirit where maybe somebody who didn't have word of knowledge all of a sudden receives a word in an instant for a unique circumstance where it's needed, but they don't actually have the gift. I've, yeah. I've actually heard of that happening. So it's, it's interesting. 
because our understanding is that also once the Lord's, there's a scripture verse where it says the Lord's gifts are irrevocable. So when he gives you a gift, you have it until you die. Like you just have the gift. He doesn't take it back. Um, and he can silence it <laughs> if you abuse it, but you still have it. But there are these unique instances where I think the Lord in his goodness will just outpour his anointing on someone for something in a specific moment where it's really needed and it's a part of his plan and intervention. So that was my rhetorical question to ask, to bring it up in conversation. I hope I did okay. That was a great question. It was actually a really great question and distinction. And then, so we've talked about in, the anointing on, and now the last one is the anointing with a person. The anointing with someone, um, or yeah, yeah, with someone is not, it's not like a passing gift. It's more of like when somebody has a ministry of service. So like a ministry of healing or a ministry of deliverance or ministry um, of music. It's, I guess, a more extended purpose. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. And so we, we came up with a couple different examples, practically. For instance, ministry of healing. Todd White is somebody that we've talked about. He has a ministry of healing and some Catholic people in there thrown in. Um, Father Mike Scanlon, the TOR at Franciscan University, he had a ministry of healing. Francis McNutt, ministry of music. Mary has a ministry of music. Woo-hoo. Amanda Cook has a ministry of music. Right. Ministry of deliverance. Father Amorth has a ministry of deliverance or had a ministry of deliverance. He's passed now. Right. Yeah, we see kind of, I guess... A lot of people can have gifts of something, right? Like the Lord can give people a gift of deliver, like deliverance gifts or um, musical gifts or gifts of healing. And they can operate in that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a ministry of healing. Exactly. You can kind of see when somebody has a ministry of something, there's a little bit more of, I would say, one, dedication by the person to really operate a lot in that gift. But also the vast numbers of people affected by that is kind of gives testament to that ministry as well. Right. Like it said that they actually, yeah, the fruit is there where it's it's not just, oh, I've prayed over two people and they've gotten healed. Like you probably don't have a ministry of healing then. You have the gift. But if you're regular doing regularly doing ministry where you're praying over 20 to 100 people per yeah, event. Like Todd White walks around all day long and just asks people and be like, hey, this is wrong. Do you want healing? Like, I think I read it or he shared a story about how his wife doesn't let him go grocery shopping with him anymore because they just spend hours in the grocery store because he stops everyone. Oh, yeah. He to it, pray with them. It like she actually it was way worse initially in his conversion because he was taught that you could pray over people for healing and he was so persistent. He would pray over people and nothing would happen, but he would just, this is before he actually got the gift of healing and got a ministry of it. His wife would actually act like she didn't know him in the grocery store. She would direct him to stay on like one side of the store and to meet him at this particular time outside of the store, (laughs) you know? And she, cause it was so embarrassing for her to see him. And he just, he wasn't afraid. He would just go up to people and start praying with them or ask him them if he could pray for healing for them. And, and after persisting in that, because he, he knew in scripture, it said that the Lord actually commissioned us to go out and pray for healing for people. So he was like, okay, Lord, you said that this would happen. So he, he prayed over, I don't know how many people, and embarrassed the heck out of his wife for so long um, before actually people started then getting healed. And so like the Lord actually, because of kind of like you said, Jill, I liked what you mentioned about the persistence of the person and the dedication that they have to moving in the gift. And they actually steward it. Mm -hmm. Usually when a person stewards a gift regularly and is really faithful to operating in it, the Lord will open up more of a platform for them to move in it. And that's definitely the case with Todd. Yeah, having a ministry of something is not um, for the faint-hearted. No, 
like it is really like a a huge commitment um and a huge undertaking to to have that you do have those people that are are persistent and perhaps like the lord wasn't wasn't his intention to give him like a ministry of healing but through that persistence that the lord allowed it and i think that's really beautiful that the lord also does you know allow things because of our faith and our persistence right it's it's really it's really interesting. And I think there's also a distinction and it's kind of like we made earlier when we mentioned Christine Kane and what she had said about gifts too. The same with the anointing with and and ministries. You could just because somebody draws big crowds doesn't mean they have an anointing on them. So don't mistake a person's popularity or ability to move a crowd emotionally also with an anointing with yeah. them, right, for ministry. Yeah. But if you look at look at the fruit, like even when it, we look at in the church, like Marian apparitions or miracles, when the church goes to investigate those things, one of the criteria they have is actually looking at the fruit of it. So you look at Todd White's ministry and you see how many hundreds of people have been healed. Like it's not just mm-hmm. one or two people that have been healed, but there's probably actually thousands at this point with how much and how many years that man has been praying for people that the Lord's healed people through him. It's interesting that you mentioned Christine Kane. Um, so Christine Kane was one of the keynote speakers at the passion conference when I went in Houston a couple years ago. Wow. And her talk was, it was about Elisha and Elijah and how using the story of Elisha working in the field, doing like, the hard work and like translating that to us when you know we want things and it's like oh yeah like I want a ministry for this or that but we just want it given to us yeah and using that example and being like no like you have to just work where you're planted yeah and be good stewards of where you are and then the Lord gives you things yeah little by little Elijah was just plowing behind the oxen, doing the dirty work. <laughs> yeah. And when the opportunity came and the Lord decided to reward that stewardship, mm-hmm. then Elisha completely like committed himself to that. Because I think, too, sometimes we are good stewards of things. And then the Lord presents us with an opportunity and we want to kind of like straddle the fence a little bit because it involves risk and commitment. And like, we're, we're millennials. Like we get that. (laughs) (laughs) The stereotype is real. Like we have a problem committing to things. It's terrifying. Elisha was able to do that. Yeah. He was able to commit to that and saying, okay, this is, the next thing that the Lord desires for me. And now I'm just going to focus on that 100% give it my all and be a good steward of that. Right. You know, but things aren't just handed to you. Like the Lord doesn't just hand you things. And sometimes he does. I mean, he can, he can, if he wants. He does. Sometimes with gifts too, there's the Lord will just, that's why they're called gifts. Right. So whoever it was, uh, Chris Fallatin talks about, they're not called awards. They're called gifts. But there is truth to, I've seen, like you're talking about, Jill, with especially bigger gifts and ministries. Yeah. Like ministries is what what I'm talking about for for the most part. Grace grace builds Um, on nature, right? Like it's exactly what you're talking about. There's there's a faithfulness and a stewarding of the gift before a ministry is given because a ministry is big. I mean, I see that too, like in people that walk into youth ministry that think that they can just, you know, fly by the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, you make it look so easy or like this works for you. And it's like, do you know how much work I've put into trying to create these like, TikToks? Where- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's so much behind the scenes work and stewarding that have mm-hmm. gone into my the ministries that I've been involved with and the Lord has given me. And sometimes we just think, oh, we'll just flippantly do things and right. the Lord is going to just reward me because I'm here. <laughs> I showed up. Hey. Bless you for me showing up. Yeah. And they're surprised. Well, why don't I have all these things? Well, you weren't. Yeah, why is nobody coming to my youth group? Well... <laughs> 
might want to build relationships with people and <laughs> I don't have any advertise. other cool ministries. My ministry is youth ministry. But you work for a diocese. That's kind of a big deal, I feel like. So Yeah. It depends. Nah, it is it's cool. Um We have really tilled. Awesome. We have tilled the soil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I spend a lot of my time teaching people how to be good stewards of the ministry that um that they're given, you know. Right. Right. So that's where all of this is coming from. So this is sweet. And we've talked about anointing in on with what the anointing is. And I think the last thing to cover is so there's there's a phrase that we've used kind of in our prayer communities of this practice, a prayer practice of coming under an anointing is the phrase that's been used. And yeah. what it's basically talking about, it's basically your daily prayer time of inviting the Holy Spirit to come upon you, in you, on you, right? Be with, to be in, on, and with, like we were talking about. You're inviting him to fill you in every way, giving him the time and creating the docility within yourself to receive that as well. In our ministries, I think the primary method that's been used to just open yourself up to being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually doing praise and worship for like 20 minutes and letting it move into a time of silence. That's the most common way that we've seen, or that's what I usually use in my prayer time. Yeah, that's been like the charism of the communities that we have been involved with. Right. Um, So everybody really, for the most part, people enjoy that. Um, Some people might not. Right, Um, right. And and to be, to, to make it even more, like understandable, I guess, or to show it's more of, so we talked about the anointing is it, it's given us this kind of spirituality or this terminology as like a, a way to explain charismatic spirituality or our experiences. There's a lot of people that are experiencing this in their own spiritualities that just aren't using the terminology that we're using. So for example, I have an old roommate of mine who she spent a month in Calcutta with the missionaries of charity. And when she came back, she was asking one of the brothers who were in this other religious community, the question, cause she was familiar with the term anointing. And she said, well, the missionaries of charity, these sisters are, aren't coming under an anointing, but they're super filled with the Holy spirit. And I feel the love of God in them. And the brother kind of corrected her lovingly. And he wasn't like, you know, no, you fool. (laughs) But he said basically that actually they are, they're just doing it differently and they're not using that terminology. So they're spending, they do like what, like two holy hours a day or, and a bunch of other things I don't even remember. But Mm -hmm. the point is they're giving the Lord the opportunity to anoint them in, on, and with, to just completely fill themselves with the Holy Spirit in their prayer time. They're giving the Lord the time. For some people that might be like reading scripture. Exactly. Like Lexio Divina. Mm-hmm. So we just use this this term to explain basically just giving the Lord the opportunity to fill you. And that, yeah, like you were saying, could be Lexio Divina. It could be a Divine Mercy Chaplet. could be going to Mass, right? And just really participating and really letting yourself soak in what's happening and receiving the Eucharist. And so there's all these different ways that you can do it. But it's basically inviting intentionally the Holy Spirit to fill you and giving him enough time to do it and to make yourself docile to him. For you guys that are listening, this is kind of the first of, I think, a three-week series that we've decided to do on on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is just like a little itty-bitty part. Yeah. Piece of the pie. This is, this is a foundation. This is, is this the crust? <laughs> What's the foundation of a pie? <laughs> That's what this is. So... <laughs> <laughs> the pie of the anointing. The pie crust. The anointed pie. Um, <laughs> sorry, just kidding. But yeah, so so we just wanted to establish kind of those terms, what we're going to be using, and creating a baseline of understanding for who it is. Because the anointing is him. It's the Holy Spirit in action. It's it's him moving. It's not like this. It's not like the force. <laughs> the force be with you you know or this like object that we can control it's 
him moving. It's the Holy Spirit moving. So we're going to do prayer a little bit differently this week. Mixing it up. Which is kind of excited. Mm-hmm. We're mixing it up. Mary's actually going to lead us in a little bit of um, just a short like song of worship and prayer. We're just going to invite you as we move into this quiet place too to just extend, just, just close your eyes and actually we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on those that we want to pray for, on also ourselves, like our families, and then even more specifically invite him to to actually anoint us, to fill us fully with him. If you know this song, you can sing along with us and just invite the Lord to do those things. And then we're going to actually pray for the Lord to fill you as you're listening specifically. So here we go. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I humbly ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to just fill all of our listeners right now, from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. We ask that you would fill us with a full anointing, with the fullness of your presence dwelling. We give you permission, Lord, we even ask that you would increase our capacity to receive you, to be filled with you, and then to fill that capacity to overflow with your spirit. We ask that you would increase our giftings, the favor on our lives, and most of all, Lord, that you would draw us into deeper relationship with you and closer to your heart.
So for our practical little takeaway today, um, it's just challenging you to to really be faithful to um, that time to come under an anointing to receive from the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, this can be in the morning, like taking 15, 20 minutes in the morning to just, you know, like we said, read scripture and do Lexio. Maybe it's um, finding a couple worship songs that you really um, feel like lead you into that quiet place um, or making time for mass, uh, whatever that is, but making sure that you have that time of silence to receive. I think that's uh, the biggest um, factor there. Yeah. So So that's your challenge for this week. We challenge you. (laughs) I guess the two weeks because our episodes come out every two weeks. So for the next two weeks. Yeah. Hopefully it will be a habit by then. We want the anointing on you. Good habits. And anyone with you. (laughs) So super exciting um, news. Just some one. I'm sorry for all the noise uh, that's been going on in my house. I'm going to try my best to edit it, but I know there's stuff that's you're. I live in an industrial area, so we're back to work now and there are trucks and things. But yeah, some housekeeping things as well. Exciting news. We have Facebook page. So a lot of you guys have already probably started following us on there, all that kind of stuff, which is exciting. But if not, if you haven't yet and you're on Facebook, go and follow us. Give us a like at Don't Shove the Dove. Some other exciting news. We're on iTunes now, which is really exciting. Yes. So share that. Leave a review. The best compliment that you can give us is to share with your friends and recommend the podcast to other people. So go check us out, recommend us, and we'll see you in two weeks for our next episode on actually sensing the anointing. Really stoked for that. That'll be sweet. So. So excited. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. (laughs) See you guys. Bye.